welcome to the Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye. A hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we're in Vail, Colorado, with Stephen Lees, a fellow of the IELD and one of the many who has helped HLB lead it to its current position in the industry. He's also a two-time Lifetime Achievement Award recipient once from the ILD, another one coming up around the corner from the Edison Report. In part one of our podcast with Stephen, we got the chance to learn a little bit more from him about what it's been like to be in the lighting industry for decades on decades on decades. Everything that he's learned, everything he's experienced, and also what it means to be a part of a team that's not just who you work with, but your clients your end users, everybody that's involved in a project. And we talked a lot about how that subtle change, just very subliminal differences from environment to environment, whether it's interior or exterior, are what truly can kind of keep our entire profession exciting. That profession, of course, is design. Design and construction in the built environment and in the exterior environment are something that are something we experience every day. It goes without saying that lighting is a big part of that. Lighting has the ability to transform a space. After all, what do you do when you walk into a room that's dark, Stephen? I just stand and look at stuff. <laughs> and then he turns the lights on. <laughs> I, no, I, I, turn on, I turn on the, I, the phone, on my, my, the flashlight on my iPhone. Of course you do. You just you know, walk around and you're like, hey, I need to see light. And he's a lighting designer and where's the switches. We talked all about uh, what it means to be a part of a team. He told us a story about how a vacation led to a big opportunity. And next thing you know, you know, you're off to the races. Your business is growing. And today, HLB is quite large. You have nine offices? I think officially uh, seven offices. Um, and then we do have remote workers in many places. And um, we may be coming up with another physical office shortly. So the offices just keep going. The people keep coming. You've done such an amazing job at AHLB of bringing people into your community and giving them an opportunity to go as far as they want, whether or not it's to just be a designer, whether or not it's to be a project manager or to help run the business and Mm -hmm. ultimately be an owner at the company. It goes without saying that you can't do this alone. And we talked about that a little bit in part one, but you can't do really anything alone, which is why design has so many facets to it. And lighting design is just so much so one part of it. You have a lot of experience. I'm sure at one point in time you had to do more on your own than you were able to do uh, <laughs> later on in your career. Talk to me just a little bit more about what it was like to grow, to be able to spread your wings and be more successful, and maybe what taught you a little bit about that along the way. You had mentioned about growth and good work and growing a team, but a big part of that is change. You have to embrace change. Um, you have to have curiosity and keep swimming, keep swimming, because if you stay in the same spot, you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow physically in size or finances or even in terms of the kind of work you're doing. So I, I think that's one thing. And you, know, you get good people and it helps build the firm and then that good work just keeps going. But part of it is accepting change and bringing those good people in and trusting them and learning from them and integrating them. But as a firm, and lighting design firms come in a lot of different flavors. There's the, what I'll call the, here's the rendering of what it should look like. Thank you, good luck. And then at the other end of the scale, there's the firms like HLB 
that start there and take you all the way until the ribbon is cut. And afterwards, we even have post-construction services. Um, that's what HLB is. And I think part of that vision, that, that was Jules Horton's idea initially. He was an engineer, structural engineer, formally in training. So you know, never know who's going to get into the lighting business. <laughs> but to me, and it, and it may be because at heart I'm a, I'm a craftsman. I like building things. I get good feelings. I do woodworking and I, I build stuff theater sets, I put in the lighting. I'll mow the lawn because that's craftsmanship in a certain way. In lighting, unless you know and experience how that fixture is installed and put in in the ceiling and mudded in and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to understand all those downlight options. So, I mean, I, I have not jokingly told students who are still in lighting courses in college, uh, what should they do when they get out? And I said, well, if I would do it again, if I had that opportunity, instead of graduating with my lighting design degree and going straight into a lighting design firm, I would get an internship with an electrical contractor. And I would go out and spend a year or two installing fixtures. Then when I came back and started doing lighting design, I could do the most awesome installation details. And when a contractor challenged me, I would just say, no, you're wrong. And, you know, so I like to be, I'm the kind of person like, I want to understand, know the whole thing. Uh, Maybe it's an insecurity in me if I don't, but I do like to be right all the time. I mean, don't we all? (laughs) I would say that most people like to be right all the time. I would say that most people, they want to know about, whatever it is they're working on or they want to know how they get their result or Mm -hmm. they want to know hey if i get this will that happen or i want that what do i need to make this happen and so on and so forth when you talk about you know telling young professionals to say you know put the theoretical stuff on hold and go get some practical experience in the form of understanding the final step Mm -hmm. of your entire process. How has the industry taught you that? I mean, lighting is so much just one single component of everything else. Was that an experience you had through a career, through a project? It's from theater. I mean, in lighting and in scenic design, you start with the play and you design it, then you build it. I mean, not in professionally, but in college and in most situations, you build it. You put up and you make it work and you find out when it doesn't work and then, then you're smarter when you do it the next time. But there are there are people with, that would argue with me. I mean, I believe lighting designers are part of the construction industry, not the design industry, not the architectural industry. We're all part of the construction industry. There are those that would argue, no, no. The only time you're a lighting designer is when you're thinking and dreaming and rendering and configuring in your mind what the lighting atmosphere and environment is going to be. And once you start picking fixtures, you're not a lighting designer anymore. I've had those arguments. I won't name names, but I'm certainly not one of those. To be a lighting designer, uh, in your words, is to paint with light. It's to watch light convey emotion. In the world of architecture, there are many things that go around a light fixture, unlike the theater. (laughs) Yeah, to paint with light. But if ultimately somebody else is going to install it, you have to tell them very clearly what that needs to be so that when it's installed it creates the effect you want to have and it's not as easy as clamp it 
and point it. Well, and, and I'll sit on a and I'll, and I'll sit on a dimming board behind it once it's there. Right? And we all know these days it isn't just the physical nature of installation; it's all the purchasing and the shenanigans that go on in the purchasing wars between the time the spec comes out and and the fixtures are bought. There are so many things that happen between A and B. Mm-hmm. A, A, right? <laughs> uh, only B. I think it's like I'm beyond zebra time sometimes. Uh, <laughs> A is the initial design concept mm-hmm. that I might argue is approved. There's like, you know, the precursor to the, the design concept that says, yes, sure. we're running with this. Mm-hmm. B is the end user experience in the environment. And maybe it's, you know, column B, 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 for those who are familiar with Excel. Well, <laughs> there, 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 is a, there is a C, which is then the building is going to live for 50 years. Then there's the whole maintenance of the thing. And these days, it's environmental impact. And when you think about all of that stuff, that all is considered in a holistic design. And mm-hmm. uh, from someone such as yourself or anybody at HLB for that fact of the matter that thinks through the entire life cycle and all of the impacts, it's your job to convey all of that in a specification on a set of plans. <laughs> I'm just going to say, it, I think that's impossible. Like you, you couldn't possibly articulate all of that. But as a designer, you could consider all of that and you could then create a reputation or you could create a force that said there's a reason we are here there is a reason we need to be a part of this but doing that only comes at the expense of people accepting you for that to which point you you have to be in the construction industry and accept everything else around you as well well i you know it's uh, sort of what groundhog's day every day we have to do the same thing over again because it's a different set of people uh-huh. um and that's you know that's why we have a lot of repeat clients because you know they know what we do and then it's an you know, it's not the first time you've danced. But yes, and you, you can't just put in a specification in drawings what you want and have it come out that way. It's not going to. You know, one of our favorite approaches when the whole job is trying to be substituted is do tabletop comparisons of specified fixtures versus the substitute and have the owner there and say, Take your pick. Take your pick. I mean, you know, because it's not for me to decide how much you're going to spend on this lighting fixture A or B. That's your decision. But I want you to be fully informed about what you're buying. And I have no problems with them picking the cheap one. If they want the cheap one, then, you know, they've been read what they're not getting out of it. And they can't come back later and say, hey, this isn't doing so and so. I said, well, remember our tabletop. But 90% of the time, they look at the substitutions and go, Nah, you kidding me? And that goes back to, you know, a tip of the hat to you, your team, or, or really anybody who's a professional who stands by thinking through something in their entirety. You mentioned that lighting is a part of the construction industry. That's it's, my it, belief. It, it, it's not design. What do you think the construction industry gives to the lighting community, but sometimes we don't necessarily receive it? An opportunity. They give us an opportunity to build our dreams and execute what we want to do. And I have to say, there are a lot of really good contractors out there. I don't want, I'm not trying to vilify all contractors and all reps and distributors and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of really good players out there. And, you know, we align ourselves with those players as much as we can, uh, because it's going to create a better result for the owner 
And we want a happy owner, right? Ultimately, that's one of our goals is, is from a business perspective is having a happy owner. There's a lot of good people out there. I couldn't agree more with you. Mm-hmm. Every industry, every whatever, maybe it's a project, things happen. People mm-hmm. don't show up. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they're on their way out, but they can't leave yet or this, that, or the other thing. Fundamentally, though, beautiful buildings get built because there's a team approach behind it. There's an end goal. Everybody is building something. What does it mean to look at lighting as a part of building that something, knowing that I would maybe argue it's a large contributor to it being successful because we need to be able to see it in order to measure that. But how do we fit into it? How does lighting, no pun intended, take center stage, but then maybe take a back seat when it needs to as well? There's an old saying, I don't know who said it, but without light, there would be no architecture. (laughs) So yeah, it's critical, obviously. And most architects really have an idea of when they're designing the building, the opportunities from a lighting perspective. And so the conversations, and we love conversations with the architects, we have those ideas. And it doesn't mean that necessarily we will follow them. But we've, you know, we've even out in, in mock-ups and situations had uh, where things aren't quite working. And the construction industry people there, you know, help work on the same problem. I think that getting back to the team ideas, if the team is all pulling together towards the same goal, then the success is always great. We don't always have that in every situation. And that, that's the challenge. And when you have that challenge, do you feel that there's an opportunity to face it and come out ahead? Or do you only become as best as your weakest link at that point? We're always upfront with the owner or the owner's representative and just say, look, this is really not our choice. This is your choice. We're going to give you information about the cards that you've been dealt and you play them. And there's, you know, like I said before, however you want to play them, we're working for you and we'll help get the best outcome with whatever that is. And it may not be the award-winning project, but it's not our job to make every project an award-winning project. Uh, You know, a lot of them are just regular projects they create really nice healthy environments for people at the office or you know we've been doing a lot of work in healthcare and you know just a little bit of improvement in lighting in the healthcare industry is going to mean a lot award winning probably not but we can make huge impacts without going to the top and, and achieving everything in the world this is just some very simple basic understanding of lighting that needs to be applied in places where there's been no understanding and no attempt to to apply that. So, and sometimes it's a it's a very easy, very small hurdle to get over that will have a tremendous impact. When you think about those places, spaces, those environments, or clients that haven't paid attention to lighting, do you think it's a case of you don't know what you don't know, or is it ignorance in the sense that I I, I choose not to explore anything that. I literally think doesn't make an impact on my space. I think as a society, we have become very siloed as individuals and individual professions. And we don't look across the whole panorama of what can have impact on what each person is doing. I mean, you, I mean, look at the medical industry and all the alternative medicine approaches and how siloed some some people are and, and how you know there are there are, are some improvements 
that are created with that broader understanding. My, my gastroenterologist, she says, look, in terms of health, in terms of medical, she says food is medicine. Now, that, that, that's the kind of perception, you know, don't do drugs and all that kind of stuff. Use the food to cure yourself and to keep yourself healthy. And I'm rambling here, but the idea is that better projects, better work, better environments can be achieved if we can get our minds out of that very narrow place they typically are these days to make decisions that impact not just my narrow little piece, but but understand the impacts, you know, on everybody and everything, um, not just in the people in the moment, but three generations from now. The ability to be siloed has become easier than ever, too. Mm -hmm. The access to information out there is readily available at our fingertips, on our phones, on our computers. And there's an article, there's a blog post, there's a whatever out there for every question. There's an answer, whether it's right or wrong, or who knows who even is the judge of whether it's right or wrong. When it comes to lighting, you know, I know, so many know that bad lighting is so easy to identify mm -hmm. and good lighting is merely impossible to account for in a live environment even as a lighting professional you walk in and you have an experience and it's authentic and you're not thinking about the glare bomb you're not thinking about the lack of your ability to see you're not thinking about why you can't seem to find what you're looking for but all the opposite of the things is good design is good practice or why you go home with headaches every night you know yeah there is an opportunity obviously to get people to think more about outside the box, right? Being a part, whether it's lighting, thinking about how we integrate into the other industries, or whether it's how the construction mm -hmm. industry, as you put it, plays into yeah. lighting. Mentorship is a big part of that. We just don't want them to look outside the box. We may want them to make the box bigger that they live in. How does mentorship play into all of this? Oh, it's critical. It's critical. There is a term I came across um, many years ago, it was called um, corporate amnesia. Companies that where people become real experts, they've been there for a long time, and they leave, and all that information goes out the door. And at HLB, and, and our belief is that you have to pay that forward. You have to share that information and make sure that that learning and the knowledge base just grows and parts of it don't disappear. And mentorship is the key way to do that. And not just mentorship when you're a student in college, but mentorship, you know, all through your career. When I um, went away to college, um, somebody gave me a, a piece of advice that says, like, you're going to learn a lot more establishing relationships with professors and people outside of the classroom than just in, than learning in the classroom. And when I was was um, starting in, in, in the architectural lighting industry, I sought out people who could act as mentors for me. Light, certain lighting reps, other lighting designers, uh, that's why I became part of the IALD. Because um, I also I had an introduction to, you know, two dozen of the best lighting designers in the world who are making this profession from the ground up on, on the Abe Faders and, you know, all the way back there. I want to talk about that group of two dozen people. Oh, There's so much to unpack when you think about how many people are in 
the lighting design industry as a profession. I mean, there's, you know, you can look at the count of registered ILD members. You can look at the, you know, amount of people in the IES. You can also just look at the amount of people that, whether we like it or not, the upper echelon of the people who dedicate all their life to only lighting, there are so many people who are enthusiasts about lighting that do try to learn something, but maybe don't have the opportunity to know as much. Sure, you have to design lighting designer. When I turn on my kerosene or now my LED lamp and, and I decide where that I, where I'm going to put it inside my tent, I'm doing lighting design, you're, right? right? I, yeah, you're 100% doing lighting right. design. All this knowledge comes from a starting point from like almost those, those two dozen people. And so much knowledge either has an opportunity to move forward or never be shared. Mm-hmm. And at HLB, uh, your personal experience, your professional experience, you've said that that's a critical part. How do we make sure that we don't lose sight of that given the desired ability to be as quick, fast, and efficient? And as you mentioned earlier, a little bit siloed in our everyday lives and our work. You're asking a question that we are currently doing some work on, and I, I really can't bring that up at this point, but ILD certainly has tried to, and they've had mentorship programs. I think it's up to the individual to seek out mentors. Uh, mentors can't go to one, you want me to be your mentor? No. You seek out the people who who are going to help you advance your career, your passion, help you learn more. And I would suggest a diverse set so that you get a bigger box of knowledge than what you got when they hand you that diploma after four or five years of being in school. Because at that point, you know enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now the real, real learning starts. The real world, real life learning starts. And all of those forces, other forces, now are, now that those protective educational walls are ground down, they're all coming at you at the same time. And you find out you, how much you really don't know. When you look at Steven's box today, uh-huh. I am going to imagine it's big. I'm going to imagine you didn't predict how big it would get or what size it would be or how much tape you might have to have put on it <laughs> at, any, at any certain point in time. But what has that journey been like for you to not only help other people build bigger boxes, but then also receive that? It has been a hell of a ride. I've had a great time. Not that it was all easy navigating through a sailor as well. So to me, getting from point A to B is requires a lot of skills. Um, and I applied that same idea to building that bigger box. The rewards ha- have been multifold uh, in many ways besides just the lighting awards and the projects we've completed and the relationships we've developed. But you know, within the firm, um, you know, I remember looking back at some point and seeing the number of people who have passed through the doors of HLB. I believe at this point it's well over a thousand, um, and we've impacted a lot of lives. But I see, you know, the, the, a lot of people that are, are here now and the ones that even aren't here now. I see them, you know, they, they get a good salary, they make money, they have, uh, and they get better apartments, they have a family, they buy a house, 
and and it's I'm not just creating a better life for people from a lighting perspective, but there's a group of people that are very close whose quality of life is directly impacted by the strength of the firm of HLB. And to see that impact and feel that impact, to me, it's, it's just like, I think that's the best thing I've ever done. As far as the firm goes, I am most proud of the lives uh, that have been created uh, and, and how well they've been lived because the people that have come through our doors in many cases contributed towards back towards the, the betterment of HLB. The biggest box that you have arguably is you sitting in the box of HLB. It's become something that is so big that has not only given you so much opportunity, mm-hmm. but given you a place that you know you'll always be able to continue to learn from. That wasn't about building one and filling it. It wasn't about making it as strong as possible. Rather, it was how does it fit around everything else? How do all the boxes stack up in the truck together? (laughs) How do do we get all of this to go in one direction? And the answer is sharing that passion, that knowledge, that opportunity, giving people an experience, creating a diverse environment, and also understanding that there's more to it than just your job and what you're doing today. And how do we keep it living and breathing and growing? Because that's where the best work happens is in a, in a growing environment where new inputs are all coming in and it's all part of that bigger picture of the world. It's interesting because people, I think, so often say, I want to grow. I want to do more. I want to be bigger. I want to be better. I want to make more money. It's human nature, you could argue. And what you just said really tunes to we're just doing what we're designed to do, right? We're paying attention to what matters sure, as opposed to trying to force it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and, and the lighting industry, as it turns out, really is a model of that. When I started, it was incandescent and fluorescent bulbs. And all that mattered was getting the light in the right place. And you didn't talk about color temperature that much. You had warm white and cool white fluorescent. Right? And, you know, now we got so many choices like, well, is that really good? Uh, <laughs> and, um, but... Uh, you know, and even so the technology, you have to keep up with the technology. And then lighting wasn't just important so you could see or that you could work and, and see accurately. It, now it's like, okay, it, it's, it has health impacts. We learned about health impacts and daylight and, and all of that, circadian rhythms. And then, then we learn of, of health impacts past that. Um, and uh, then we discover, well, you know, um, in commercial buildings, electric lighting is using up one third of the power in the buildings. And now we're, we're saying, okay, now we have to learn how to try to minimize that. And, and, and you know, it's it just, like I said, it's the industry itself in terms of what is important and critical for the industry to address just keeps growing as well. So that it, that there's a natural evolution in this industry. And I suppose other industries go through the same kind of thing. I think it's been particularly rapid <laughs> in the lighting industry. And what frustrates me is the small number of people on this planet who really know all that stuff and our inability or, or, to get people to really listen and say, yes, we have to do that. We have to do the best lighting from that holistic 
impactful perspective uh, that we can for these reasons, for, uh, for, for you know, generations to come from not just a health perspective, but the health of the planet perspective. In part one of this podcast, you mentioned to me that technology has never been stagnant in lighting. And as you just mentioned, it's growing faster. It's moving more rapidly than it ever has. There is a breadth of knowledge and not only what it means to place light in a space, what it can do and what kind of an impact, but which one to use and how to get it and mm-hmm. where and where to find it and buy it from and all these sorts of freaking different things. <laughs> and <laughs> IoT and yeah. IoT and, you know, yeah. should we have switches to turn on lights automatically? Not. And, yeah. and, and, and what is the programming to do that? I mean, when should it turn the light on and when it shouldn't? When should it be half? There's a lot of unknowns here. When, yeah. you, when you think about all of it, you have the one thing that we're never getting more of, which is time on your side in terms of experience. When you think about the amount of time you spend in our industry, the amount of stuff that you've learned, Mm -hmm. and you look to the future, reverse, flip-flop, you know, take the past 40 decades, excuse me, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not that old. You're not that old. <laughs> Methuselah, we're going to now interview Methuselah here. <laughs> Take the past four decades, 40 years, and flip it. I would bet that you would have said you could have never predicted where it is today 40 years ago, and 40 years from now is, uh, is exactly the same thing. But when you look at it, in what we may potentially be able to achieve unified, not siloed as an industry, mm-hmm. where do you hope we go in what if there's anything you wish to see do you hope that you can see in your lifetime i think the recognition that lighting and how it's done has a major impact on so many parts of the world that is recognized and becomes an imperative that's my wish you have to give me more than that because it's good but it's uh you know i want the i want the real sense of it i mean lighting can do so much for so many and it can affect mm-hmm. people in the world. Is it in the sense that the profession grows to give that to people? Is it that people, um, you know, unanimously understand the power of it more? Is it a combination of the two? Well, yeah, sure. I, I would love to put a little Kool Aid in everybody's tap water, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but that's going to be tough. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be tough. So it's a message that. There's a lot of effort being made by various organizations. There is recognition that is happening. The lighting industry, design industry, is growing, is growing worldwide, and that can only come with a certain level of recognition. And I don't care whether the recognition is a siloed one, like, you know, we have to minimize energy, but and it's hard to do lighting that way, or I'm with the best lighting in the world, and, oh, well, you know, you got to do that energy thing because that's part of the package. So there is an effort being made to do that, and it, I think it is having some impact. ILD has had a good amount of, of, of impact on that in terms of its promotion of the profession. There are other organizations that, that recognize it, that we had the, the 2015 or 17, the UNESCO Year of Light, which came and went. And, you know, there, there are small siloed efforts going on that that are affecting some people do you think that there's anything uh in the tech world anything that uh, will become a consumable good that isn't today that will potentially open people's eyes a little bit more to maybe not understand uh 
you know, the technicalities of it. But to go back to your example earlier, being a lighting designer, when you figure out where to put your lantern in your tent. Yeah, right. Well, I I think the only way for people to understand lighting, at least in terms of an environment and interacting with it, is to interact with it, to be in it. To experience it. To experience it. And and, uh, we're not going to be able to get everybody to have a two-hour required lighting immersion of course, you know, you need to get a driver's license. Well, you, you forget the driver's test. You have to do a two-hour lighting immersion test uh, experience. We get them all the time. Uh, we're just not cognizant of, of what it means. I am curious about whether that experience can be virtualized and be used in some of the new virtual tech- technologies that are coming along. You know, you'd have to have yourself in this environment and see what's going on and play with the lights and 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 um, but that only teaches the visual aspects of of lighting it doesn't teach you about all the other impacts is it fair to say that if people have a visual experience with light and they they take a moment to recognize and notice that that's a win for our industry i think that any little step helps if there's a little meter in the side that says you know how many kilowatt hours you're using for this lighting and like you have on your your car and your electric car if we came up with the same recognition uh that is now in the electric car industry and um and and in the eco cars and you get this little gauge that says oh you're you're doing um you're doing good you're doing good you're, you're, you're making it happen 50 ga- 50 miles per gallon um, hold the gas pedal good, right where right, it's at right right yeah. or or maybe there's a Maybe there's a, a little thing that goes on your desk that, that that reports back to you that that you know understands the lighting, understands that there's glare, understands the color, the time of day, whatever, and and it says, oh, you know, like a little bracelet you wear. Totally it says, oh, you know, your light your health lighting, is good today. Your light <laughs> health is good today, or it's bad today, and here's why it's bad. Um, and then you fix it if it's your house, or you talk to your employer or your HR person and say. Because we've, we've, a lot of work that we've done has come out of situations where HR departments in, in, in the businesses are receiving a lot of complaints about lighting. And we go in and have done um, you know, surveys of what it is and recommended updating or changing. Being able to create a space uh, fundamentally is what lighting design is about uh, for people, right? Mm-hmm. So that people can enjoy it, people can experience it. And they can do whatever they need to do in that space. And and just like the doctor's Hippocratic oath, thou shalt do no harm. Our lighting designers need to have that kind of oath. We're gonna we're gonna do lighting that is promotes health and is and is good for the planet. Good lighting, good health, and a healthier planet are all three things that start with conversations like this. Mm-hmm. That start with people that are passionate like you, and most importantly, grow into firms, organizations, and things that are bigger than any one entity. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Thank you so much for taking the time to kind of unpack a little bit of, of Stephen's mind, <laughs> Stephen's life, <laughs> a little and, part, and, and just and just really kind of scratch the surface about you know where we are, where we're going, and how we might be able to think about things to continue to shape our future. Something tells me you're not done. You're not going anywhere. We're going to see you around. You're going to have a a meaningful impact in our industry, although I'm sure you will take some more time off and maybe do some sailing, a little bit more vacationing, uh, as we like to call it in Colorado here, leaf peeping in the fall, (laughs) checking out those fall colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, But stay in touch. 
if um if anybody has any questions for you if they want to reach out to you or they just want to continue any part of this conversation what's the best way to find steven i guess by email if you want to get in touch with steven and you want to email him shoot us uh, an email at empower at lotteye.com and we'll make sure that it gets to him <laughs> steven thank you so much enjoy your time in Vail. we'll talk to you soon well i i certainly hope that some of this is going to have some impact on a few people's lives and hopefully get them going in a, a direction that they're happier in and feel more accomplished with. I'm sure it will. I appreciate it. Thank you. See you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Thank you.